Welcome back to the Climate Psychology Podcast. Thank you for tuning in again. If you're new here, welcome. I'm glad that you found this podcast. In order to get a full understanding of what this podcast is all about, I would recommend you listen to my trailer episode, episode zero. My name is Hannah and I am a social psychologist with a passion for behavior change, climate adaptation and sustainability. This is episode two, which is all about environmental psychology and how it relates to the climate crisis. Today's episode is especially exciting because we have a special guest on board, Ola Tertinen from Finland, an environmental psychologist with a passion for energy transition. Ola will join us later and share some of his views and insights on the topic. Stay tuned for that. Before we listen to the interview with Ola, I thought it would be good to give you an overview of what environmental psychology entails and why it is relevant for solving the climate crisis. This will not be as much of a deep dive as in episode one, where I talked about social psychology, since this would just make the podcast episode a bit too long and overly filled with new information. So we will keep it short and sweet today. In the second edition of their book, Environmental Psychology, an Introduction, Linda Stake and Judith Ochot describe environmental psychology as, quote, the discipline that studies the interplay between individuals and the built and natural environment. This means that this field of psychology looks at the interplay between the environment and human experiences, behavior and well-being. It also examines the influence individuals have on the environment, for example, environmental behavior and ways in which we can encourage pro-environmental behavior. According to Colmo's argument from 2002, pro-environmental behavior can be defined as behavior that seeks to, quote, minimize the negative impact of one's actions on the natural and built world. This includes actively using less energy, wasting less raw materials, reducing waste production and engaging in pro-environmentally friendly consumer behavior. Thus, pro-environmental behavior is often used interchangeably with the concept of sustainability. More than that, environmental psychology, according to the American Psychological Association, short APA, is also often referred to as climate psychology. And it seeks to understand human responses to natural and technological hazards, conservation and, for example, environmental perception. Environmental psychology has been around since the 1960s and is thus considered a relatively new field of psychology. Nevertheless, it has shown to be quite relevant in regards to finding solutions to the climate crisis. If you're interested in environmental psychology and its key findings, I highly recommend purchasing the previously mentioned book. It is a good read that really covers almost everything that there is to know about environmental psychology, in my opinion. As always, I have put the reference of this book and other interesting articles and websites that you might check out in the reference and literature folder in the Google Drive of this podcast. You're probably wondering now why environmental psychology is relevant to solving the climate crisis. According to Linda Steak, one of the leading researchers in environmental psychology and a professor at the University of Groningen, behavior changes are needed to mitigate and adapt to environmental challenges. And due to the fact that climate change is caused by human actions, governments cannot fully protect populations against the effects of climate change. 
if citizens and their psychology is not respected in the process. And I think this is amazing to see that finally psychologists are being included in the fight against climate change and that interest in the field is growing as we speak. Again, only through collective action, we will be able to solve the climate change issue. And since citizens are part of the issue, it only makes sense to me to include their thoughts, attitudes and behaviors in the assessment of a problem as well as its solution. So now that you hopefully have a clear understanding of what environmental psychology is all about and what it entails, I think it is time that we bring our special guest on board with whom I will talk a bit more about this topic. And due to the fact that this interview was uh, recorded remotely a few days ago to make it corona proof and also because we are in different countries at the moment, the audio quality might not be the same as in the previous parts of this podcast. We will go back to the normal audio quality after this interview with Ola. But now let's dive in and listen to what we discussed. Thank you so much for joining me today in this episode. Um, I think I've hyped up my listeners quite a bit. Uh, they're very excited to meet you as a special guest. And I'm excited myself because, you know, this is the first time that I invited a guest on the podcast. And, you know, I hope that we can create a good dialogue. And um, yeah, we're really excited about hearing about your insights and your story. So yeah, maybe you can start by introducing yourself. Yes, uh, first of all, thanks for having me. I'm, I'm super excited. Um, I've always thought that it would be nice to have a podcast about these kinds of topics. So it's great to be here. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so something about myself. So first, my name is Ola Pertunen. I'm 27 years old and I live in Helsinki, Finland. And you might also guess I am from Finland. I'm mm -hmm. Finnish. Um, something from my background, my, um, I did my studies in the Netherlands, my university studies. Mm -hmm. um, I studied my bachelor's in psychology. And then after my bachelor's, I also did a master's and that was indeed in environmental psychology mm -hmm. and i did both of those in the same university which was the university of groningen in the very netherlands nice. yeah very beautiful city uh there's something <laughs> yes. in common there <laughs> exactly and, um, i i want to visit it again someday someday yeah you're always welcome <laughs> <laughs> so you know i'm i'm wondering you know why did you study environmental psychology what what made you study that specific master well, um, it, it really boils down to, um, I had this feeling when I was uh, maybe in the third year of my bachelor's and I, um, uh, I thought it would be very nice if there was a way to combine my two big passions in life, the first one being psychology and the second one being a bit broader, but basically sustainability, uh, energy, um, uh, things related to circular economy, mm -hmm. these kinds of things. So those those two broad topics. And I thought it would be great to combine these two. If only there was something <laughs> I could do <laughs> after my bachelor's. And then lo and behold, um, there was actually a master track. Not only that there is one, but mm. it was in the same university that I was already going to. So wow. destiny. <laughs> that, was, that was 
that was uh, very lucky and I was very happy. Uh, so I just, uh, I checked out the pamphlets and I went to a lecture and, and I heard more about it. And the more I heard about it, the, the more fascinated I, I became with it. So it's, it was, that really sparked my interest. Nice, that's great to hear, thank you. And you mentioned some topics already, but maybe, you know, you can share what drives your academic career and your personal life, you know, talking about sustainability and, and climate change. Yes, uh, for sure. So um, it, it, I think it sounds maybe a bit uh, grandiose or something, but uh, I, I really want to have and I want to have an impact with what I'm doing and mm -hmm. just nothing too, you know, crazy, but just like um, I want to do th things that really resonate with what I believe in. And mm -hmm. one of them is trying to fight the effects of climate change and um, the ongoing climate crisis is something that I want to uh, fight against or just I've, I've just been so passionate about mm -hmm. about these climate issues and uh, environmentalism. I just thought that maybe there was a way that I could do more than mm -hmm. just in in my personal life, which yeah. is also, you know, good. So don't get me yeah. wrong. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I think it's great. I think that we need more people who are passionate and want to combine, you know, personal values with their occupation and career. So that's really good to hear. And, you know, why is this field relevant to you uh, personally? Like, why do you think it's like important? Well, well, first, first of all, um, I would say just in general, psychology, just just in general, is um, is sometimes overlooked because I think wherever there are people or uh, you you have to study or wonder or maybe modify people's behaviors or mm -hmm. try to learn from it, then then there, that's a job that a psychologist can do. Yeah. Or, or maybe I should say that's that's something that um, you can use psychology for. You don't mm -hmm. have necessarily have to be a psychologist to yeah. use these tools that psychology offers. Mm -hmm. But more, moreover, uh, about environmental psychology, I think, um, and this was one of one of these um, ideas or thoughts that came to my head uh, during my master's was uh, when I was doing courses in uh, related to energy, I just stumbled across engineer after engineer after mm -hmm. technology, this and then law and business. But then I thought that um, psychology was often overlooked. And um, when when uh, I'll give you an example, I went to this one one workshop uh, during my master's and um, it was a a pretend problem or just just a, a group of group of students uh, yeah. from different background backgrounds and uh, the issue was how can we resolve the issue that uh, people are not not welcoming wind turbines in their backyard mm. <laughs> basically yeah. uh, which is a real real problem that has to be taken seriously mm -hmm. um, and Maybe to put it uh, shortly, uh, basically all the engineers just said 
it doesn't it's too complicated to ask what people feel and mm -hmm. to take into account like what they might want yeah. or not just build it in the sea okay just, that's easier yeah so let's just let's just skip whatever people because people yeah. are crazy and they're yeah. not crazy. they're like unpredictable and yeah. you know it's hard to know so let's just skip it and then just mm -hmm. look for look for a technical solution so um sometimes that can be helpful but i think um yeah to really drive the point home i think sometimes psychology can be helpful in these kinds of situations yeah i definitely agree i think that the first point you made was very like so true because wherever there are people you know and a society is a collection of people i think that psychology should be essential like i think it should be even taught in schools it should be part of of everybody's you know knowledge and i think that was a great point and you already mentioned a bit like the topic of, of companies and you know engineering and you know listeners are probably wondering you know what what do you do what is your your occupation I assume not an engineer. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's right. So, um, uh, so I my title or my job is not uh, environmental psychologist mm -hmm. per se. It's um, I work for an energy company here in Helsinki, um, a local energy company, and I work in the B two B sales. So B two B stands for business to business. So. I deal with uh, medium to large companies uh, all over Finland, but mm. um, as it happens, mostly in Helsinki. Um, and I'm uh, offering them products, consulting them um, how how they can switch over from from not so green ways of producing energy to more renewable, more sustainable ways of um, consuming energy so um that's pretty much it in in a nutshell so um yeah yeah that's great i mean i think that kind of combines both passions that you had and that you mentioned at the beginning so that's really good to hear and um i think in a way it does relate to environmental psychology you know because you deal with people who have to make a decision and and you guide them as i as far as i understand Yes, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So uh, I'm not dealing with companies because I'm dealing with the decision makers, the exactly. people in yeah. those companies. So yeah. again, that's an important point. Yeah. yeah, great. Probably you need your psychology skills to convince them a bit, right? <laughs> <laughs> yes. So. <laughs> yes, because um, yeah, those kinds of uh, skills and tools do help me. And not maybe not in the most obvious ways, but mm -hmm. uh, I, I really do think that those skills help me to do what I need to do in my job. And um, it's true that uh, some companies or the people in the companies, some of them are they're pretty quick to jump on the sustainability train, and they're 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 eager to try new things, and they see they they see a little bit further in the future. I would mm -hmm. say like how our societies and um, how we just basically deal with energy is changing. But some other companies, they need a little bit of convincing. And that's mm -hmm. partly where I step in. And uh, I try to uh, <laughs> make the point that uh, it's it's a good choice for them to, yeah. to take it seriously. 
Yeah, that's good. That's a meaningful, meaningful uh, job. And uh, have you kind of found out what motivates companies and, and people that you deal with? This part of my job, I think, relates to environmental psychology mm -hmm. because part of it is, and this is, I think, kind of like behind the scenes things mm -hmm. that some uh, some people might not even consider that this is a part of psychology, is that a great tool is figuring out what types of things motivate the people or the companies, mm -hmm. whether it be money or green things, sustainability, or maybe even some companies might adopt green technologies and uh, renewable energies mm -hmm. just so that they can be in the leading edge yeah. of, of the technology um, uh, sector. So it's those kinds of things. It depends on the company and the person. Yeah. And it's basically my job, if I'm doing it well, is mm. that I <laughs> that I kind of get a get a grasp on how can I approach this person and yeah. uh, what is the best way for me to, for example, tell you about solar panels? Am I mm -hmm. going to tell you it's it's a wise investment? It's mm -hmm. the return on investment is good. Or should I tell you how much lower your carbon footprint is because of because of solar energy that you're generating on your own roof? Or maybe I can tell you that having solar panels on your roof means that maybe your customers or your company as a whole uh, is seen as more progressive and mm -hmm. and uh, just up to date and yeah modern. Mm. But the beautiful thing here is that uh, all of these things that are uh, that I just said here, mm -hmm. they're all true together. So it's yeah. it's basically with these kinds of things, uh, you can almost choose whatever your reason is. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, but that's the beautiful thing about it. Yeah. So they're all true. Yeah, and the outcome is kind of the same in a way, right? They all switch to sustainable energy. At so, least I hope so. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I think it's yeah. Interesting. Yeah. 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 Exactly. It's uh, some some need more convincing, but I'm I'm trying my best. <laughs> yeah. So basically, whenever you deal with a customer, you ha it's like your own little own target group, and you have to find out what their values are, and then match your consultant job on their values. And I think. That's interesting because I think that's exactly also what happens in policy making and, you know, small groups making decisions, you know, uh, we for for effective communication, we need to see what the target group actually wants, what they want yes. and make them be sustainable in their own in their own vision. So I think if you can help with that, that's a that's a great job. Exactly. And you said that you do that in, in Finland, right? Yes, yes. Are there maybe, you know, talking about energy and, you know, um, sustainability? I know as, as a German, I know that uh, on average, <laughs> Scandinavian countries are perceived to be very sustainable and very, you know, uh, progressive and, and so forth. And I was wondering, are there maybe cultural differences between Finland and, for example, the Netherlands when it comes to those to these topics? Like what, what's your experience? Having lived in the Netherlands for four years, I, I really saw some cultural differences or, or or at least how things are being done in, in the Netherlands as opposed to Finland. In essence, both countries have a lot to learn from each other 
but they're just a little bit different. So in some ways, it's true that um, related to energy, Finland is a bit ahead, I would say, mm-hmm. in terms of uh, renewable electricity mm-hmm. and uh, energy efficiency in a way. Uh, on the other hand, we do consume a lot of energy, most, mostly that has to do with uh, heating because mm-hmm. of uh, cold winters. But So we do... Uh, consume a lot of energy, but uh, I'll give an example is that um, in the final years of, of me living in the Netherlands in Groningen, I saw these posts and these news articles about local initiatives where they they think that instead of having a gas boiler in mm-hmm. each apartment or each house, what if we make it more energy efficient? What if we heat the apartments and the houses more energy efficient by having a centralized way of producing heat and Mm -hmm. then just distributing it throughout the neighborhood and this this is uh, this technology is called district heating Mm -hmm. and it is very 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 common here in in uh, in the north in in the nordic countries like finland so they're they're just uh, getting started and it's still a great great path to follow Mm -hmm. but we've had district heating for decades and decades and decades and basically every every city media at least every medium city in, in mm-hmm. Finland has district heating so that's that's one way that uh, we're we're a bit ahead mm-hmm. and it's a little bit different yeah but on the other hand in terms of sustainability finland could learn a lot from the netherlands related to mobility like cycling and uh, one one fun, funny uh, example is that um, is that in the Netherlands the room temperature is usually much cooler than here in Finland. Oh wow, like, interesting. Which is <laughs> which is uh, a minor thing, but I but I yeah. noticed quite <laughs> right away. I actually prefer it. The, the oh wow, okay. <laughs> in, in in the room temperature, but um, yeah. I think that's just something that um, we could learn here because some people even they're used to 24 degrees oh, wow. celsius inside uh, <laughs> and then then my dutch friends were like yeah in the winter maybe you know 18 inside yeah. that's that's yeah that's fine, that's fine. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i'm just thinking how much energy we could save yeah. if we drop even a few degrees maybe mm, to 21 yeah i think a lot of people would be happy with that yeah. so those kinds of things uh these two countries, as an example, they, they could learn from each other, but different things. Interesting. Well, I think those are great points. And we know, you know, that energy uh, consumption, especially in households, is, is a big factor when it comes to, you know, resource waste, basically, you know. Literally, often money spent on energy goes right out the window. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah, exactly. I think that's a good point. Definitely very interesting. I'll keep the room temperature thing in mind when I go to <laughs> Finland and, uh, you know, it's uh, very interesting. Well, we already talked a bit about, you know, companies and going the green way. And why do you think that more and more companies go the sustainable way? I mean, apart from the obvious that it is a good thing to do. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you, what have you learned throughout your job? Like, why do more and more companies do, do that? The, the beautiful thing uh, about working in the energy sector and um, here, here in Helsinki, from my perspective, a lot of things are happening very quickly and quicker and quicker. So uh, a lot of things related to sustainability and energy efficiency. It's it's almost like a race uh, mm-hmm. between different companies in the same sector, let's say supermarkets, that who can be the greenest and the mm-hmm. fastest to uh, achieve these goals. Yeah. And I think it's great to see. 
But um, so I think that that just uh, says that um, companies, uh, they, they really have an incentive in thinking ahead because mm-hmm. I think the countries that can uh, really be prepared for the future, yeah. they, they have the most to gain. So I guess in a nutshell, uh, going green for, for a lot of companies is, is a wise choice financially. Yeah. And it's also with the added benefit that um, you're reducing emissions, maybe reducing waste, mm-hmm. maybe if, even in some ways cleaning the air by, by switching to, I don't know, from diesel trucks to uh, electric bands mm. or, you know, things like this. So um, yeah. and I think a lot of people want these things and um, it's starting to be more and more feasible for different companies. Yeah, I think the the consumer behavior also is kind of changing at the moment, I feel like. I feel like more and more people put value in how sustainable their company is, where they buy from. So, yes, I think so too. Very, very interesting. You know, talking about like heating and you know, energy and, you know, energy going out of the window yeah. <laughs> and 24 degree hot rooms. <laughs> yeah. Are there any like sustainable behaviors that you do or, you know, in what way uh, does it play a role in your personal life? Right. So um, I think I do some some things uh, sustainably. One thing is that um, I guess you could say uh, it counts that I don't own a car. Uh, I mostly bike and use public transport. Yeah, right. And, and also, like, uh, I think, again, from the energy side, I think mm-hmm. the most two two biggest things that I've done is uh, I've switched to a green electricity contract for my apartment. Uh, here in Finland, everyone can choose or they have, have to choose a select, uh, electricity contract mm-hmm. and you can choose uh, a fully renewable. So I have a fully renewable electricity contract. And uh, on top of that, also, I, I'm paying a little bit extra to ensure that the, the, the district heating in my apartment is uh, renewable as That's well. That's great. So, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, those kinds of things. Mm. But um, always looking for, <laughs> uh, always improving and stuff. So it's. Uh, yeah, I think it's a it's a process. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. that, you know, you, you don't wake up one day and then you're 100% sustainable with zero CO2 emission. I think it's. I think as long as you do what you can uh, within your financial abilities and in your abilities that or in your freedom that your environment gives you, I think you're already doing a good thing. And, yeah. you know, actually, you know, riding the bike and public transport, those are great things. And there are actually some website where you can calculate now for the listeners. There are some great websites where you can calculate your own ecological footprint as well as your CO2 emission on a weekly, daily, and I think even yearly basis. So I will link those things down below. And then maybe you can compare with friends, family, you know, how how you're doing. Because often we don't notice that it's a small things, you know, like closing the window and you're heating or, you know, turning the heater down in summer or taking shorter um, showers. Those little yes. things really add up and I think they make a great, great difference. Yes. And it's all still heating electricity or you know heating related i think that's so interesting it's really a big 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 deal yes it it is a big deal and and talking about your own experiences in finland as well and you know in the context of the climate crisis is there anything where you say okay i have been affected by the climate crisis and, and global warming is there anything 
that you can come up with? Well, um, here in Finland, we uh, the summers tend to be a little bit hotter, but I think that's a slight change. We don't have uh, natural disasters or earthquakes or floods, at least not yet. But when I think about it, I think the biggest change in my life Mm. Uh, is that I've noticed that the winters are are milder and milder. Mm. So when I was a kid, um, it was very common that we, we would have, I don't know, uh, several dozens of centimeters of snow mm. pretty much every year. And um, uh, it would get to minus 15 or minus 20 sometimes, which... Yeah would be normal here yeah. but lately it's some winters have actually been pretty much snow free wow. and and uh, the winters that we do get some snow we only get it for i don't know for for a shorter amount of time and even mm. i mean each each winter can be a little bit different but it was not this last winter or maybe i think it was no the the one before the winter was very mild. It was pretty much the same uh, as in Groningen. So wow. meaning that maybe plus five, no snow yeah. uh, and a lot of rain, which is normal in some, some parts of the world, some parts yeah. of Europe, definitely. Yeah. But um, that, those kinds of things, even in the south of Finland, is not that common. Yeah. Or maybe it is starting to become more common. Yeah, and that's a sad thing. I think that, that when we think about it, I also noticed that, for example, in Germany, we have more extreme weather, you know, it's like, I think Germany is always kind of on the average temperature, you know, we never get super, super hot, we never get super, super cold. But I really noticed that from my experience, maybe I'm biased, that also what you described, like it gets ex more extreme in both directions, heat and drought and and snow and that's i think it's sad that already in our age we can describe you know the climate crisis and describe its effects in our life exactly wow and i think that goes along with not only a change in the environment but also a change in people's minds you know the way you perceive your environment the way you interact with your environment you said probably as a child your memory was you know building a snowman or you know playing in the snow and now, children who grow up, they might not have that because it's getting so warm in some times of the year. So I think that all comes back again to psychology and environmental psychology, which is about how we interact with the environment. And then my almost last question in this interview would be, why do you think environmental psychology, with everything that we've just talked about, why do you think it could play a role in solving the climate issue? You know, how do you see the relation there? So um, that, that's a that's a great great thing that you added that uh, it does it can play a part. Of course, mm -hmm. it's it's not going to be the only thing. Of course not. Exactly. But I would also flip it on its head. Just relying on engineering and engineers is not enough, and we need them. We do need technological advancements. We need smart engineers we need a lot of different people from different backgrounds but especially in terms of i, I can speak for uh, for the energy sector from my perspective yeah. especially there i think there's a hole that needs to be filled mm -hmm. by an environmental psychologist or just uh even applied social psychology yeah. which is 
very, very close to environmental psychology. Because let's say a classic example that I sometimes talk about is that smart engineers can invent better solar panels or better, more efficient wind turbines. Mm -hmm. But if if nobody wants the wind turbines in their backyard, or if I don't really understand the the attraction of Mm -hmm. having solar panels on my roof or like I don't understand how it works so I just think oh it's not for me no no it's it uh these kinds of things are are situations where uh, a psychologist or an environmental psychologist can be helpful so that that is pretty much like yeah that that would be my my point in a nutshell is that Mm -hmm. especially in energy I think uh it's time for psychologists and people from other backgrounds from backgrounds that are not so typical but they have Mm -hmm. to rise up a little bit more but still we need everybody I agree yeah I think it's a great point because the the thing that you mentioned like okay it's good that we produce all of these sustainable technologies but in the end it's about the consumer and the the people, you know, the citizens, they have to engage with that. So if it's great if, if scientists and policymakers make all these science and policies, but in the end, you know, what about us as citizens? You know, we need to be included as well in the decision making. I think that's definitely essential. I will actually talk about this in a later and upcoming episode, you know, citizen engagement and why we need interaction between people in higher positions and citizens. Well, but thank you for, for those great points. I think we've come to the end now, but before we close this interview, are there maybe things that you would like for the listeners to take home from this episode? And, you know, like three key points, if you will, that you want them to take home and tell their family and friends? Uh, I think the first part, the first thing that comes to mind is that um, kind of kind of relating to different countries and what, what can you do mm-hmm. in terms of sustainability. Maybe in some countries you can't actually pr- choose mm-hmm. where your electricity comes from. Yeah. In some countries you can, and then that's that's a way to uh, basically it's almost like voting like yeah. more of this no, it is, yeah more of this way. please like mm-hmm. i support it and i want it i'm willing to pay for it but yeah in in in, in some ways it can start from from individual things like uh, in your personal life and that that was my perspective living in the netherlands that uh, a lot of dutch people were more they were more active mm-hmm. about taking action actually in their personal life I think sometimes people can be a bit passive in these things if they see like, for example, in Finland, like Finland is so green and everything is going so well and we're doing these things and we're uh, in the top top three of, you know, the greenest country, something like that, even though those numbers, but uh, yeah, I don't know if the numbers add up, but something (laughs) like that. I think another thing that comes to mind is, uh, and I've been, I think I saw this or read this somewhere, but I really like this quote or this saying is that participating in the world as it is today does not mean that you cannot try to improve it. Mm, so beautiful. So I, I really think that that message is saying that, you know, where we are today does not necessarily have to mean that, that all we have yeah. Or, or what we have tomorrow to exactly. keep up the, <laughs> the same. And we have to deal with the constraints, so to say, of, of yeah. our time. So uh, a, a nice way to think about it is that the light bulb was invented in candlelight. So uh, 
at least, yeah. you know, I don't know if that's uh, historically accurate, but you know, <laughs> The, the idea is there. The idea, yeah. Yeah, I think that's a very good point. I think that just because it's going the way it is right now doesn't mean that we shouldn't aim to be better. And that even individually, I think that's a good point, what you mentioned. Maybe people are demotivated. Maybe people are sick and tired. And I think we can't blame them, you know. Well, <laughs> I think I feel can. for them. I am, I am people, you know. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And I think that um, through psychology, from what I've gathered from your answers as well, from my understanding, I think that through psychology, we can help decision makers to pick people up along the way and kind of yes. take them by the hand and solve problems together as, as stakeholders, as, as different parties. So I think that's a wonderful way to end this interview because maybe giving people a bit of hope, maybe... Maybe I hope that you as a listener feel a bit motivated, check your energy expenses, how you use resources, you know, how maybe sustainable you are in your daily life. And I think that um, little steps, step by step, I think we can work towards a, a greener future. At least I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> But, I, uh, so I think that, um, yeah, we've come to the end now. I want to thank you so much again for being here and uh, giving us your insights and your thoughts and for taking the time. And I really appreciate it. And I had a lot of fun and uh, actually also learned a bit more about you than I already knew, which is also fun. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, thank you for that. Thank you so much for having me. I, I also had a lot of fun and I love talking about all of these kinds of stuff. So um, I'm Great. very passionate about it. And I'd like to talk to you some more, uh, maybe later. <laughs> so, so let's keep in touch. This was fun. Yeah, thank you so much. If you want to learn more about Ola and or ask some questions, I have put his LinkedIn handles as well as his email address in the description of this episode. Furthermore, in the Google reference folder, you will be able to find his master's thesis on environmental psychology. As always, the link is in the description of this episode. I hope that you enjoyed the interview and that it gave you some new insights and some food for thought. Please also let me know how you like this style of podcast episode. As always, I can't leave you without giving you a clear defined message to take home. So what can you take home from this episode? First, environmental psychology is a relatively new field of psychology that studies the relationship between individuals and the built and natural environment. Second, psychology, specifically environmental psychology, can play a crucial role in finding solutions to the climate crisis by finding ways to understand people's behaviors and thus the ways to change behavior accordingly. Third, we should do our best to help find solutions to the climate crisis by understanding ourselves and reflect on our own behavior. This can be small things like reflecting on your energy use, as discussed with Ola, your use of transport and maybe your diet habits. Maybe try to be aware of your own barriers, biases and your environment and how you interact with it and try to change your behavior to a more sustainable way. Lastly, I recommend getting into a dialogue. I invite you to discuss what you've learned today with your surroundings, maybe your peers, friends, family or colleagues. Try to get an understanding of values that are present in your environment and see how that influences your view in the world. Now we have come to our weekly challenge. If you are interested in reading more about the basics of environmental psychology and its key findings, Ola recommends reading an article about environmental self-identity, which he also used for his master's thesis. 
This article is by van der Werf, Steeg and Kaiser. This is an easy read which covers quite a bit of relevant literature. This article is mentioned in the reference list for this episode and is highlighted in green. Furthermore, if you are interested in a visualization on how different countries are producing and consuming electricity, Ola and I recommend looking at the website Electricity Map. You can find the link to that in the description of this episode as well. And now we have come to the more gamifying educational materials, which I have mentioned in the interview already. You can calculate your own environmental footprint, for example, with the WWF footprint calculator. And if you're interested in a visualization of the weight of all natural raw materials that are needed for private consumption, I find the ecological backpack to be a fun tool too. Next, I challenge you to take the climate solutions quiz in which you can see how much you know about what can be done to fight the climate change crisis. This quiz is beginner friendly and it is great fun to talk about the outcome with your surroundings and test and challenge yourself and others maybe a little bit. Last but not least, I recommend the app Planet with which you can reduce and offset your carbon footprint and get rewarded by sustainable brands in the meantime. This is for all the people who love to gamify their life. None of this is sponsored by the way, these are my own recommendations and I'm not affiliated with any of these websites. As always, you can find all the links in the description down below. Next week, I will talk about climate adaptation and climate mitigation in more depth. I've introduced these two concepts in my first episode about social psychology. If you want to refresh your memory before next week, I recommend listening to episode one again. If these two concepts and their applications sparks your interest, stay tuned for next week's episode. Also, I will have a very, very special guest joining me for next week's episode. I'm super excited and they will talk about their expertise in the field of climate adaptation. I can't wait to have them on here. I'm super stoked. As always, please feel free to send me suggestions of topic that you're interested in and that you would like me to cover. Don't shy away from giving me feedback on the content and the quality of the podcast as well. I really appreciate every input and I'm definitely eager to get better each episode. Also, feel free to contact me via email or LinkedIn and ask questions and maybe share some insights. You can find my email address, my LinkedIn handle and the details of the intro and outro song in the description of this podcast. You can find the references for today's episode also in the description. It was my pleasure to host this episode today and a big thank you again to Ola for being part of today's episode. It was great fun and I'll have you here anytime again. Thank you so much for tuning in everybody. Have a great day wherever you are and stay safe. 